Welcome to the United Voice Oklahoma podcast, where we are practicing the art of kindness and civil discourse and authenticity and storytelling. Our goal is to foster a healthy dialogue about race relations in our community. We seek common ground for common good and hope these conversations encourage you to build authentic relationships outside of your race or comfort zone. This season of the podcast is made possible by the generous support of the Oklahoma City Black Justice Fund. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the United Voice Oklahoma podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the United Voice Oklahoma podcast. I'm your host, Waylon Cubitt, and today I'm excited to welcome one of our latest and greatest co-hosts for the next few, hopefully hundreds of episodes. He is my dear friend, Taylor Doe. Uh, I can tell you there's so much I can say, and there's so much you're going to learn about my friend Taylor Doe, but uh, many of you, many around the state of Oklahoma, especially in the metropolitan area of Oklahoma City, know him as Tito. He is a tech founder. He's a creative entrepreneur. He is committed to mentoring, which is really where our hearts kind of connect. He's deeply rooted in our community in Oklahoma City, specifically uh, on the northeast side of Oklahoma City, but he has relationships all over the city, which You'll see how that adds value to the conversations that we'll have here on these few episodes that we have him here. And most recently, he has been on a journey to help people reflect on and share their and then moments. Yes, and then moments. Uh, and he's going to share a little bit about what and men and then moments are and how they shape lives of people, all of us storytelling about it. So Taylor, I got to tell you, my man, welcome to the podcast. It's been a long time coming. I've been after you. I've been begging you. I've been pulling you (laughs) to come on the podcast with me and sit in this chair. So it's great to have you here as the co-host, my boy, Tito in the house. Cue it. I appreciate it. I'm honored to be on the podcast. Uh, We, man, we have these conversations all the time. And so, man, if they were recording just before, I mean, the the only difference is we're in this like really nice studio with really nice mics and we're pressing record today. So <laughs> I, I just feel like this is an extension of, you know, you coming over to my house, me at your house, us meeting at for lunch. I mean, all that text messages, anything kind of coming into the form of a podcast. So I appreciate it. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about the next few episodes uh, that we're going to get into. OK, so, Tito, what I love about you, what I love about the things that you do is you try to catalyze people's businesses, their their initiatives and dreams. And you've done that here with us on this podcast. And so we have some very exciting news about yes. the United Voice Oklahoma podcast that I think <laughs> is exciting. It's in your wheelhouse. It's in your gift. Tell, tell us love about it. it. Yeah. So uh, if you are opening up this podcast, you probably have noticed that it looks a little different. So we've done a rebrand of the United Voice Oklahoma podcast. So if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, you're going to see a new logo, a new color palette, a brand refresh uh, there every time you open that up the app. But I've, I've loved what you guys have created at United Voice Oklahoma. I've listened to episodes. Uh, you guys are having meaningful and necessary conversations. And this rebrand just complements what you guys are doing. So you're going to see this on social media. You're going to see this in your app. The notifications that you get uh, when we when we launch a new podcast, uh, you're just going to have that kind of refresh brand that's uh, just complementing what you guys have already done. Which means we need to tell them to make sure you follow, which means you <laughs> make sure you subscribe, Bing. that you get notified every Bing. time a new episode 
comes out. And we really want you to share these episodes, especially if there's a nugget of wisdom that took you a little bit further in the space of, of community uh, and defining who your neighbor is and um, how to serve one another well. Share this. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some nuggets. We've done, I don't know, 50 some odd episodes so far. It's been, it's been great. Uh, so now in the upcoming episodes, uh, we're going to be interviewing all kinds of people. Uh, I, I'm excited about some of the people we've kind of brainstormed about who we want to talk to exactly, and all that kind of stuff. But if I didn't have you as my co-host, I would want you as a guest. So today uh, I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit. And I want you to know a little bit about your passions and, and what makes Tito tick. Uh, and I'm going to try to pull all of that out as we through, through the guest. I'm going to try to be like the Tom Brokoff or something. I'm going to okay. be pulling a little bit at you okay. through every episode. Okay. Yeah. So tell us I'll a little this, bit. This will be fun. Okay. So Tito, you're deeply invested in Northeast Oklahoma City, the east side. And you have been there for a while. You're so invested that you've moved into the neighborhood years ago, probably eight or nine, maybe 10 years ago, I bet. I don't know how long have we known each other. It's probably been, you weren't, you didn't live there when we. Yeah. We, when we met, I wasn't living there. Uh, it's probably, we met like nine or 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. And so you and I have been in this conversation about race for years and you co-founded Dinner Table OKC. You co-founded Tie Day. You hosted movie nights and you've been deeply invested in and walked with families for years in Northeast Oklahoma City. So tell us how all of that came about. I think we can get into the details of my story kind of as we've, as we talked today, yeah, but yeah. Uh, essentially 10 or 11 years ago, I was given the opportunity to work in schools on the East side in Northeast Oklahoma City. Uh, I created a character education curriculum called the hot seat. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's where we had a positive word of the month that we do uh, and we go in and do school-wide assemblies. So I was at three elementary schools on the east side every single week. Uh, so about 1,800 students and essentially we had the hot seat wrap where the entire school would just get hype. Uh, we had the hot seat crew, which was our leadership development uh, program that we had with sixth graders. So they're doing things around the school. We put a mic in their hands so they're practice public speaking in front of all, the entire school. Uh, we're doing student of the month, teacher of the month, just encouraging, coming in and being uh, that encouragement to staff and students, uh, and then showing up in different ways throughout the week. So showing up to lunches and, uh, I had sound equipment. So we'd set up sound equipment for different assemblies that they'd have and awards programs and, and all of those things. Uh, and so, so much took place, uh, during those, those years, six or seven years when I was doing that every single week. And it gave me an amazing platform on the mm-hmm. East side. So I was in front of, like I said, around 1,800 students every week. I couldn't go anywhere on the east side. I'd be, I'd be shopping uh, at the grocery store, and a kid would come up, Mr. Tito, what's up? What's up? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. And, and you I, have a cool name. Like, kids love the name yeah. Tito. Yeah. And, did a kid give you that name, or did you come to the – So I was, I was given that name when I was probably in fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it just kind of stuck. Uh, it was a lady at our church. Uh, she was kind of worked with young people, kind of an intern, uh, youth intern, and it just kind of stuck from there. So. I wanted so much for the story to be, no, I was just Taylor Doe, and I walked into a elementary school on the east side, and they just started calling. <laughs> I, you just ruined that for Man, me. I I'm, just... <laughs> I'm sorry. But I will say that I did graduate with uh, people who didn't know my real name. Yeah. So, I mean, they just knew me as Tito. So right. that it's kind of stuck, moved into college, even post-college, uh, even in 
corporate America. Like I kind of <laughs> just like people called me that, which which I love it and and I'm for it. And so when I got into schools, I mean obviously you address people as Mr. and Mrs. Uh-huh. Um, and so it was just Mr. Tito. And then it kind of just formed into one word uh, right. of just Mr. Tito. And it was so fast that as you were saying it. So I'd be I'd be out and about uh, and I'd just get yelled at by kids saying what's up. And that would be an intro to meeting their parents, meeting their uh, extended siblings, all that. And so I started getting invited to birthday parties, mm. uh, cookouts, uh, baby gender reveals, uh, funerals, weddings, all of those things started picking up kids um, in kind of a mentor role as well. So going to Thunder Games and baseball games and uh, other events. Uh, we ate a lot of Golden Corral over the, <laughs> the years and yeah. CeCe's Pizza. Right. Uh, and, and we can kind of get into that a little bit. But just so fortunate to to have that platform that allowed me to, to be in those schools and build those relationships uh, consistently over years. And so right now, uh, I have some of my kind of core group. They're graduating high school, and we met when they were in the second grade. Mm. So I started picking them up, <laughs> going to Thunder Games. We have pictures, videos, freestyle rapping all the time. Uh, now they are 18 and making decisions about their future. And so it's been it's been an honor and a pleasure to watch them grow up, to have conversations about life, um, to help their family document life events, uh, even last week doing prom, taking prom pictures right. and yeah. sending Dope that out to the fam- pictures, yeah. Yeah, family right. and, and doing all that. And so um, I, I've been very fortunate to get invited into those spaces. What we have not established, right? So, I mean, I think it's you're so uh, natural in what you do and how you do it in the mentoring space. And I think we are, we're kind of missing because people are listening and not looking, but the, the, the unique thing about what he has done, I don't think it's all that special. I guess special is not what I would want to call it, but it's just unique in that it doesn't happen a lot or it hasn't happened a lot is that Tito is a white guy. Mm. And the Northeast side of Oklahoma city is predominantly black. And so what he, what the relationship that he has made, uh, I think a lot of people make those relationships, but they don't necessarily have done it in such a natural way. Uh, way as you have and with the the stark difference that being when you walk into the room when you walk into a school and when you move around the community you're usually the only you're the only uh, person of that skin color and it has not impacted or maybe it has and maybe that'll maybe that's something that we'll we'll talk about but maybe it hasn't impacted anything because you're doing relationships right you're doing relationships and that is what is so cool is just like we started this without establishing that. I've just forgot that. I just like, wait a minute. <laughs> Nobody knows. I'm just talking like we're going yeah, to have we're, a conversation. We're not on video. We're, we're not, not on video. video. We're not on video. So, so what he's doing and, and how he's doing it has uh, his, the color of his skin has not impacted the impact mm. that he's made. He's just doing, he's just lending his knowledge, his skill, his ability to a place where he's where he just hangs out, he just to finding his neighbor and just loving on him. Yeah, that's what's so so cool. So, so Tito, you've you spent a lot of time on the east side, and what are a few of the things uh, from the way you grow up, in the way you live now, in the time that you spend, in the spaces where you spend it? What have you noticed, and what have you picked up on? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. I, hey, Tom broke off. I know, man. right? Come on, he's right. starting off hot. So I would, I'll start a little bit with my background was I grew up in a predominantly white 
upper middle class neighborhood. Uh, I grew up in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, just north of Tulsa. Uh, in the streets, in the homes I grew up running around and into, uh, were very different than the streets and the homes I found myself <laughs> in on the east side. Yeah, uh, and so besides the just cultural differences of how I grew up in and then black culture and being on the east side, I began to wrestle with kind of this, the difference in opportunity. And so I started to see things that were out of my normal world that I grew up in, uh, and I had to start wrestling with that tension. And so that's when I really started trying to do deeper work on myself uh, and unpacking some of the things uh, that were just natural and built into my world uh, versus you know, some of the, the kids that I, I was growing closer with and the families that I was, I was deeply invested in, uh, how their experience was so much different than mine. Um, yet I saw kids who were very similar to me. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up and I, w I was, I wouldn't say I'm the class clown, but I loved having fun. So right. I was always like, I was running around the halls. We were doing cheers in the hall. I, I just loved life. I had a great middle school. I had a great high school uh, experience. And so I was just fun loving. And I still had that glow in my eye. And I saw that in kids that I was working with. You you, you know, yeah. when you work with kids, you see that glow. Uh, and then what I noticed was just that these kids that I was working with and building relationships didn't have the same on-ramps to opportunity that I did. Wow. And that's when I started asking some deeper questions and trying to understand. Did you ever blame, did you find yourself in, as, you, as you were coming to this discovery? Because I hear you you say there was an internal conflict like, Hey, wait a minute. I, I'm just like them, but things are different and, and how they're growing up and the things they're experiencing than what I'm experiencing. Did you find yourself blaming it on their parents? No, I, I, t I think I took a, I think I took a pretty uh, centered approach, I would say mm -hmm. of just trying to look at all the factors uh, and it's I, complicated and, and, it, and it's complicated. Oh. Poverty is very complicated and nuanced. And so just trying to, to sit back and, and learn and listen. I said yes to a lot of things <laughs> that I got invited to. Uh, you know, we were hosting movie nights. We were, uh, we were walking the neighborhood a lot. I walked with principals all the time through the neighborhood, just like knocking on kids doors and, and saying what's up and, and meeting parents and grandparents and all of those things and just taking taking it all in. I read a book when, when I first started working in the schools, I read a book that really impacted me. And, and I consume, I was reading books all the time on, on different topics. Yeah, you were so, pulled in. You were yeah, pulled in. It, it, was, it was academic. There were the academic side of reading and all of that. And then there was a relational side of, of being in the lives of families. Uh, but I did read a book uh, early on in, it, in, the, in the preface, which I don't typically read. Um, it, talked about, <laughs> it, it talked about this guy who had worked in communities, a black dude who has worked um, in black communities for years. The first 10 years of his work, it said that he worked in obscurity and no one knew his name. Yeah. And when I read that, I said, I want to be that guy. And so for 10 years, I've been in schools doing all these different things, which we can get into. For 10 years, I did that. And I tried to do it in obscurity and do it quietly. This explains why it takes so long to get you on the stage with me or with a microphone or in the podcast room to explain some of the marvelous things and some of the, the, the cool connections that I have personally witnessed for myself. Uh, but you wanted to now explain why. So 
so I actually went back and looked at the book and and wrote down a date, and it was uh, May of 2011. Okay, uh, was right when there. I when I read that, and so it's like, all right, a decade from now is when you get to talk <laughs> about this, because because even when I first started working on the east side, I saw people come into the east side and share a story of the east side that wasn't, I won't say accurate, but it wasn't full. It wasn't complete. It wasn't complete. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the natural instinct of coming into uh, as, as a nonprofit or as another organization or a person coming in and doing work, wanting to share this. Uh, and I said, I'm, I'm just going to be the guy who just shows up consistently for 10 years and then I'll talk about it. And so May of last year was, was 10 years. And even before that, I'd get asked to speak on podcasts and, you know, come to conferences and random stuff. I'm like, it's just not the time yet. It's just not the time yet. And so I kind of felt a release May of last year to say, all right, it's time for me to start, start sharing some of these concepts that I've been wrestling with for years, uh, elevate some of the people that I've been with for years and their stories uh, and what they have to share, the, the beauty and the art and the, and the initiative and innovation that, that they have. And so here we are. We're on United Voice Oklahoma podcast. Yes. We get to have a conversation about it. Tito, tell me, uh, I want you to explain the choice of words here. You said wrestling with. Mm-hmm. And when you say wrestling with, why do you choose the word wrestle with the concept? What it, it's, it, it tells me that you didn't come to any easy conclusions about life uh, on the east side or life in, in, in people with that are experiencing poverty, you didn't come to any quick conclusions. Is that, what does wrestle mean? I think it's that. I think it's challenging. It's challenging thought and relationship at the same time mm-hmm. or through, like, let me say through relationship. So I had these thoughts and these beliefs and um, these ideas and through relationship, uh, I started to unpack those things. And so I, I hear outside people talking about ways to impact education or poverty or all these things, yet it seemed disconnected from relationship. And so that's what I was really wrestling through is, is what do I believe about this? What do I think are solutions? What, whose voices need to be heard? Uh, who needs to be in front with the mic? All of those things uh, needed to happen. And so I've loved being able to be in positions where from day one, I didn't have to, a part of, what I, what I did was I never had to raise money to do what I was doing. Mm. So I was very fortunate in that. I didn't have to, I didn't work for a nonprofit, so I didn't have to tell a story to raise money to support me. Right. I, I was working. I'm, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I have a, I have a company. I get paid through that. And so there was nothing ever riding on me doing this work. Yeah. And so that really changed the dynamics for me that allowed me to move in spaces because I didn't have an agenda. I just got to, I just got to show up. And so, like I said, I was working in schools, And so I had sound equipment that the company had bought me. Uh, and so I've done funerals of people who couldn't afford uh, kind of the whole sound equipment and all of that. I'd be the one setting it up. Uh, I have a story of a time I, I did that and people came up to, to me after and said, Hey, are you work with the funeral home? I was like the only white guy in the place. Right. It's right. Like, yeah. You're not supposed to be here. No, I, I know the person who, who passed away. You know, I have this relationship, but I have the sound equipment, so I'm offering this up. Um, and so through those just moments of being in, in those really uh, sacred spaces for me, 
uh, I, I just learned so much and I didn't have to tell a story about it. Yeah. And, and I think that changed the dynamics. What's, what's different What's different between you and I is that I didn't have the patience is because uh, like, like you, I didn't grow up in poverty. Um, and so when I, when I started working with people in poverty, uh, I came to some really quick conclusions and then people want to know because I work there, you must have some answers. Like you must know. And I, and I, and I've changed many times, a couple of times, uh, because I learn more and, and I don't think the solution is always as easy as I once had it. And so, so true. uh, I like the fact that you say you wrestled because, uh, I've been doing it a long time and now I find myself truly wrestling with what relationship, what, what solutions look like. And the only thing and that I believe that is consistent about solutions to any of this is relationships and that's spending time with people getting close to the problem. Proximity is, is key to it. But, but when I do this too, what makes it complicated is that I'm able to walk things back. Like I see the problem, but how did we get here? And I can't. uh, And so when it comes to race uh, relationships and advancing in the society, I have to walk it back. And so you've done some things uh, as you wrestled with, with this issue uh, and you call them and then moments, mm-hmm. right? Can you can you kind of give the listeners kind of an idea of this these and then moments? It's really cool. I'm ready. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll take a step back before uh-huh. that and go back to the wrestling thing for a second. Okay. One of the concepts, and then I'll get into and then one of the one of the things I wrestled with was this idea of the American dream, mm-hmm. of work hard and pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and you're gonna make it. Especially in in a state like Oklahoma, where we we that's definitely an ethos of our our state uh, is is that. And when I started spending more time with families, uh, when I started taking people to work, when I started riding public transit with with people to their job, uh, I realized that these people are working extremely hard, <laughs> yeah. harder than I've ever had to work. Yes, uh, working multiple jobs. Uh, getting treated terribly at jobs uh, that a lot of us would just not put up with. Mm. And yet they were still struggling through these things. Yeah. So, so that equation didn't really play out for me. And that was one of the things I've been wrestling with for a long time. And that is the Oklahoma equation. Work hard equals good life, right? It's yes. (laughs) That's the shortened version. I think people also say work hard, make good decisions, and and you'll make it. Right. And I saw people working hard, making good decisions, and still struggling really hard. I also don't think people have a full aspect of how hard people struggle if you've never been there. So, you know, when I grew up, yeah, we went to a few different places, but I'd never, like, been in the homes of people. I'd never seen the way some people were living uh, I'd never seen, you know, kids uh, sleeping on rolled up T-shirts. <laughs> uh, there, there's things that you just don't ever forget. Uh, and that's happening in the state of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was a concept. Work hard and you'll be successful was one of those things that I re- wrestled with. And so then I, then I come back to kind of this idea of storytelling. Because mm-hmm. the American dream is, is a narrative. It's a story that, that we as a country have over time started to believe and continue to share. 
on a, on a pretty regular basis. And so what I love actually about this podcast is in the intro that you hear every time you say, uh, <laughs> that you are practicing the art of kindness in civil discourse and authenticity authenticity and storytelling. Yeah. And this is what I'm trying to get to in the and then moments is authenticity and storytelling. And so when we tell our bios, we typically hit the high points in our story. It's right? the Instagram story of it, our life, right? <laughs> Everybody's smiling and it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. when you go to a, when you go to a banquet and someone wins an award and they hit all the accomplishments that they did. So for me, you know, my and my and then uh, story or my bio is I grew up in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and then I attended the University of Oklahoma. And then I worked at an energy company here in OKC where I got to do all the school stuff. And then I started a company with my brother. But what I didn't tell you was that I grew up in Bartlesville uh, in an upper middle class home. And then I went to OU. Well, I went to OU because my parents could afford for me to go to OU. Um, so I came out of school debt free. What I also didn't tell you is that while I was at OU, I met a guy named Daniel. He became my roommate. I didn't know him before this. Um, I was in a fraternity and met a guy named Daniel. His mom was senior vice president of HR at this energy company. And so she'd seen this campus ministry that I started where we were serving the community, doing all that. And she was like, hey, Tito, I need you to meet this guy who I work with at this energy company. He does community outreach for our company. I don't know if anything will happen. You guys just need to meet and know each other. So I come down to Oklahoma City, meet with this guy. We hit it off, turns into an internship, which turns into working in schools um, and being able to build this platform. And so through those relationships, opportunity was opened up for me um, to work and do my passion. Man, so that is... What's the term? Is Can we give it the term? Can we give so, it the term social, social capital? Yeah, so... So to, to wrap that up is I think the advantages are hidden in those and then moments when we tell yeah. our story. Those are the advantages that that people have that we don't talk about, that I don't hear in conversations over the course of 10 years as people are talking about just work harder and you, and you can get somewhere. Well, let's talk about the in-betweens, the nuances of how you got to where you're at. And so that's where the and then moments, I'm challenging people to unpack those in-between moments, the nuance moments of their story. And so there's yeah. many components to these and thens, right? Right. You can't I'm already I'm already my mind is just going crazy, right? There's some there's some there's some things in your in your and then that you just did, just a brief snapshot that I got questions about. But the mo the thing that stands out, right? Let's just park on one side of this is the relationships and the social the social aspect of your and thens, the people connected to your story and connected to your achievement, corrected to the opportunities that you had, right? You still had to work hard, right? You couldn't go, you couldn't use that social oh, uh, connection and go to the energy company and bomb, right? right? You couldn't, you couldn't go and just be any kind of way to this person that she just inter uh, introduced you to and be a, be a jerk and get an internship, right? So there's some, some things, but everything lined out, if everything being equal, you, you had opportunity that some people will never get. For sure. Through relationships. Right. And so people call that social capital uh, and or, or relational capital. And and like I said, there's a lot of different components to this. And that's where I'd love to park today. OK. For kind of the rest of our time is that idea of social capital and unlocking opportunities. OK. 
Let's so. go. Let's go. I'm I, I'm with you. Although I have all kinds of other thoughts, but is that okay if we go that way? Let's go that way. Okay, let's, let's go, go that way. way. So I started doing interviews with people this past year uh, who were vulnerable with me to share their and then moments because it's not a part of our <laughs> it's not a part of our current narrative when we tell our stories is to tell this. So I started doing in depth interviews. I recorded all of them uh, and asking people about the nuance of their stories, their and then moments, stories that they've never told people. Uh, was there a, a few of them just to let you know one is a common one that I heard is how they got their first car I asked them about that because mm-hmm. transportation is such a big deal when it comes to accessing opportunity uh, I hear about living situations so I hear about parents who have helped with down payments or uh, or an aunt who helped pay for college or you know kind of all these relationships uh, that that are there I've literally had people say Tito I've I've never told anyone this. My husband and I are the only two people who know that we got support for a down payment from our grandma who passed away and left us this money or was living and just wanted to gift us this. I heard that time and time again from people that I had talked to. Uh, Also, the thing that came up was relationships Mm -hmm. was uh, I interviewed a PE teacher, actually my PE teacher from elementary school. And she told a story about how she was a PE teacher for a long time She wanted to transition out of being that, being a PE teacher. And she had taught a student um, who was my age. And that that kid's dad was a vice president at the energy company in in Bartlesville. And he made the connection and got her on at this company doing some amazing. It it was actually a pretty similar story. She worked in kind of community uh, department there. Uh, But she's like, I would not have got there if it wasn't for him. I wasn't qualified. I'd never done that type of work before. It was through a relationship that, yeah. uh, it, and he'd seen the way I treat people and all of that, that I got that opportunity. Right. And so um, those those stories kept coming up time and time and time again. And so one that you and I both know, and I'll let you tell it, is of our friend Justin King. And he, he's told this story publicly and has given us permission to tell this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if, if you want to tell it or, or me. Well, you know, it does. It does. He's a, it's a pretty big and then moment. He told this as we were on a panel not too long ago, but you know, he wanted Justin King is a, a prominent attorney yep. here in, in Oklahoma city. And uh, he's very active uh, in all things community uh, and very successful uh, and good at what he does. But on his way to getting there after graduating college, and I may get the details just to know, get it, but the gist of it, we'll, we'll get it right. He, uh, uh, he wanted to uh, do an intern in D.C., and he applied to do an internship with uh, the senator in Washington. Applied, did all he was going to do, uh, was not getting through it all, was having a rough time getting an opportunity to, to do it. Uh, he finally tells his, his dad, hey, I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to go do this, and his dad says, you want me to make a phone call? He says, no, I don't want you to make a phone call. I can do this on my own. Sure. And so he continues to try and continues to do go through all the steps to try to do it and uh, not making any headway. And so he finally tells his dad, dad, I, I think I need a phone call. You know, dad makes the phone call. Next thing you know, he's in, he's in. So he makes the, uh, the journey to Washington DC to do his internship. He's doing that first day. Uh, he's down there and not want to let anybody know that that phone call was made. He made it on his own merit. He's going to do the work. He's not he's just going to do everything is required from him. And the guy said, Okay, uh, I'm going to show you around. I'm going to do a little bit of training here, show you what we need to do. First thing, how'd you get here? Who do you know? 
And he's like, what, what do you mean? He's like, nobody gets here if they don't know anybody. So nobody gets here on their own merit. Everybody that gets here has done it through, quote unquote, social capital. Somebody that knows somebody that's connected to the senator gets the opportunity. Uh, and that's when he realized, wow, wow, it, the, the, without social capital, the opportunity to show that I can and will work hard would have never presented itself. Yeah, exactly. And, and Justin is incredibly gracious and humble for telling that story mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't share that part of their story. And a lot of the times it's built into certain communities. So communities I grew up in and in different parts of Oklahoma and Oklahoma City and Tulsa, it, it's kind of known that way. But what that was what I wrestled with when I was uh, early on on the east side was I see young people. I see people who are working hard, who are creative, who are talented, who have these skills, but don't know the senator, <laughs> you know, is <laughs> right. like like Justin's story. Right. Doesn't know the hiring manager, doesn't know the SVP of uh, of a of a certain company. And, and for that reason, that opportunity isn't open for them. And so it's a locked opportunity. Right. So the, the question then you take the next step is how many jobs are like that? Right. Right. Cause it's, it's like, how, how does this work? Like once I, once I figure this out, well, how many jobs are, are like that? And so I did a, I did an interview recently with a woman that I went to college with and she was wanting to do PR and she attended university of Oklahoma. And she told me about her spreadsheet that she created. So we're, we're seniors in, we're seniors at OU and people are looking for jobs and, and kind of figuring out what they're doing after. And she had a list of PR firms that she'd love to work for. And then there's kind of a, a next tab that was like, oh, I'll work here because I want to work in, in PR. And so she went through her, the first tab, the first sheet and didn't get any callbacks. She's like, okay, let me go to the, this next tab and, and reach out. No callbacks. Well, she was dating this guy at this time whose dad was a senior vice president at a PR firm in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And she really did not want to ask right. <laughs> for, for help, really did not want to ask the boyfriend, right? And she got to the point where she's like, I'm going to have to ask. I don't have other options. And she asks, gets an interview. So she gets dressed up. She's got her uh, her binder ready to go as she's kind of walking in. She's sweating and she's, she, t- she tells me how nervous she was. So she sits down and the lady across the table is like, why are you so nervous? It's like, I mean, it's an interview. It's like, I got a lot riding on this. She's like, oh, Joe, Joe already told us about you. Like you're, you're in, you know, <laughs> you got the job. Right. And a few years later, or maybe a year later, she told me, I found out that no one. It, so after that internship uh, turns into a full-time job for her, um, a great paying job benefits, all of that. She found out that no one gets a full-time position at that firm without first doing an internship. So that was opportunity was unlocked. The opportunity was unlocked for her through relationship for her to be able to have that job. Now, then she goes on even farther. She says, Tito, let me tell you, she said there were two people who left to go work at a different PR firm. And about six months later, they called me up. And offered me an amazing opportunity that I could not level down. up, baby. I'm level up. up. I'm right. leveling up my pay, yeah. all that. And so I take the leap. Two months later, they have two more people join the team from my former company that I first started off with. Uh, I, about a year and a half or two years later, they leave and go to another company. So they're like, she's moved, I think, three times, three different companies. And there are people from her first job that have unlocked opportunity for her every step of the way. 
And so it's this idea and what I've seen over time is that opportunity is compounding. Whoa, 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 whoa. Say that again. Opportunity is compounding. Meaning what? Meaning, Meaning that when you get the snowball rolling of opportunity, doors continue to open up. Mm. And so you get into this job for me is this energy company. And then that energy company is no longer there, but people are at, different jobs now, different companies. There's different opportunity that just spider webbed. You get on another level and then and then there's everybody there is unlocking doors at the it's, next level to the next level to the next level. Exactly. But you got to get opportunity first. But you have to get opportunity to get in those spaces. And that was what I was really wrestling with when I see incredible students who don't have those relationships. Is they this is this up, baked in stuff, Tito? Is this like is this this baked? And the reason I'm saying it's baked in, like it's expected, or is this like a is this a crash course in opportunity? Like what's what's the? I mean, what I mean is, I get I get phone calls that blow my mind uh, sometimes. Like I get a phone call from, and like I said, I have a diverse friend group, and I'll get a a, a phone call from a from a friend's son. Uh, that says, uh, hey, I've applied for this department. And I see you sit on this board or I see all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I just want to let you know that I applied. And and if you can go ahead and pull my application and put it to the side in the good group or to make sure I get the interview. And I'm and I'm hang up the phone like the nerve, the nerve. I would never have done that. And, but then to come find out, it's normal mm-hmm. to make that phone call, but it's not normal to me. I would never have made that phone call. Another example, uh, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying is it baked in? That's just I don't. It's just part of the world or the um, untalked about rules of engagement that some people know about and other people don't. I think, I think part of why I'm. I'm coming out with this and then content is people know something's happening. <laughs> you know what I talk <laughs> with people on the East side is like, I know something's happening. I just don't know the extent uh-huh. you don't know how deep it is. Similar for you. It's like, it was a little uncomfortable, but in certain communities, that's just, that's normal. That's, that's how we go about it. I think you have a story that you've told me recently of that. And, and it's falls into the social capital realm. And it was uh, about your son. You want to tell that story? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, it and and it's the I'm like I'm dealing with an issue with my son and I don't know exactly how to deal with it. Uh and I know that he's gonna have some he's gonna have to connect with some people in my in my area, uh in my in my sphere of influence. He's gonna have to connect with them, but I don't wanna influence it at all. Like he's a grown man, he's gonna have to deal with this, but I am concerned and I wanna help him through it. So I'm talking to a friend of mine who who happens to be white, and we're just I've just mentioned it that my son is dealing with this. I want to I want to help him through it. Uh, so won't you help me pray for him? That's what you can do. And he says, "Did you call your friend that he's going to have to deal with?" I said, "Oh no, I, no, I didn't call my friend because I don't want to influence the system. Like the system has to be right. I can't influence the system. I don't want to. That's that. That's not." how things work. That's not right. That's not fair that I can use my relationship at the next level to help people that I love. Like I got to help my son another way. And he just instantly said, I don't know anybody 
who would not make that phone call for their son? Not one person. Not one person. In his network. I don't know. I would not do it. I wouldn't do it. So you have the telephone number and the access to the next level. Even though uh, you feel like it's cheating, it's not cheating because everybody I know would make this phone call and, and put their finger on the scale of advantage for their loved one, friend, whatever. And I'm going, really? I'm, I'm a, I got a grown son. I'm old enough to know I have a grown son. And I didn't know that it's okay for me to tip the scale in, in, in my favor based on my relationship with someone. Happens all the time in certain communities. And so that, to, to, to sort of wrap up, that's really the heart of what I'm getting at is one is to begin to tell those stories and start shift the narrative, have a more authentic story of how people get to where they're at and how opportunity is unlocked. Because I think the when you start to do that, what I've seen is that there is a level of radical humility that comes with that. Ooh. To say, I didn't do this on my own. I had help. And there were doors open for me. Yes, I worked hard. Yes, I'm creative. Yes, I have the skills to be able to do this. But if it weren't for this person, it would have been a lot harder. Or those that door wouldn't even have been open to me if it wasn't for this person. So I think more and more... I'm challenging people to normalize talking about these advantages and these relationships and the things that help them get to where they're at today. And so my dream for our city, for Oklahoma City, for Oklahoma, is that we would become an and-then state, an and-then city. And what does that mean? That means we leverage relationships for people that we typically would not do. We're already doing it for our kids. And what I realized when I was on the east side is that these kids and families became family to me. Yeah. So I'm trying to create and then moments for them. I'm making introductions. You and I have hundreds of stories that we can tell about how we've leveraged relationships for students. And I'm asking that what if our city, (laughs) what if our city and state decided that we are going to do things for others that we would do for our family? Basically, identify the neighbor you haven't met yet. Who is your neighbor? Right? This you're asking the question. Well, you're you're mandating. You're saying if we're gonna do if we're gonna make this an and then state, you're gonna be unlocking opportunity for your neighbor, and you shall love thy neighbor. I would love for people. So we talk about and then moments being the untold stories. I would love for people to move to our state and say, because of Oklahoma, I am now here. Mm. Because of the people in Oklahoma, I am now here. I'm now thriving. I'm providing for my family. I have a 401k. I'm building you know, generational wealth, all those things because of Oklahoma. Because I moved to Oklahoma City, we are so focused on helping each other succeed that I have to put Oklahoma City in my story. <laughs> right, right, right. I have to say this city's name. Mm. That's all I'm trying to do. That, that's it. it. You know, I the challenge too here too. Just start even small. Like, be be the be, take a little bit of this ambition into anybody that's listening. To this take a little bit of this ambition and say, you know, I want somebody's story to say, and then Waylon, mm. and then I met Tito, and then I met this person. 
and it and it unlocked the kind of opportunity that has placed me on a level that allows me to unlock opportunity for somebody else, for me to be the and then in somebody else's life. Yep. Totally. And and I think part of this is to look at you know, I think people say, well, what, what do I do? One is evaluate your own story. Start unpacking. Be real. <laughs> Be real. Authentic storytelling. Find someone to ask you the tough questions. Um, look underneath rocks uh, in your life to see, you know, what advantages and things that you've had, as well as the struggles that you've had. People have real struggles. It's real. You've overcome things. But also at the same time while you do that, talk about some of the advantages in the relationships. If you're in a position of power and leadership in a company, look at how you're hiring. Start evaluating and, and looking, how do we get talent into our place? Why do we all look alike? You know, it's like, yeah. and, and all those things, look how you get talent and start building inroads into different environments. Because the, the ultimate goal is, I think, as we start as a city and as a state, um, think about these and then moments is we're actually going to unlock a lot of innovation. We're going to unlock a lot of creativity because we're allowing more people to play. Right. And we see that all the time in the, on the East side where we work, we see creativity, we see innovation, we see art, we see music, we see business ideas, we see all that. And there's just not those on ramps. And so once we unlock that for people and we decide as a city to do that, as a state to do that, then we're going to see, I think our state, um, go to the next level, man. That is fantastic stuff. Now I got to ask you before we go, as we, as we, as we bring this episode and we probably should make it a part two, because I want to ask you about, I want to ask you about in these, in these, and then moments in, and in, in the opportunity that you see the stories, like the freedom to fail, like when we give kids the freedom to fail, the freedom uh, to take risk, what, what that, what that do, because if they, they can look past just their moment, right. They can look, down the road, right? Uh, so there's so much conversation. I think we've already kind of touched the edges of that just in our personal conversations that would be so fruitful for listeners to hear about what it means to have a safety net and for then sure. a safety net under the safety net. <laughs> right. For right. sure, yeah. You and I have talked about that, and I think there's, you know, four concepts that make up and thens are a part of and thens. Okay. And, and we can talk about that in another episode, but, you know, the freedom to fail, the freedom to take risk, uh, opportunity flow. Mm. transferred trust and low stakes practice reps. These are kind of the nuances that as I've sat and watched and learned and built relationships, these are the things that keep surfacing for me and I can identify in other people's stories. So we can kind of break that down in another episode. Tell me, tell them how we learn more about these four, these four parts of the and then moments. Like where do we find it? You got to have some content somewhere. There's got to be a book somewhere. Maybe you, maybe you're already writing it for me. <laughs> to, to the show. process yeah yeah uh maybe there's and i know you, you create content all the time yeah. there's maybe a website or something help help someone who's interested in learning more about and then dive in a little deeper so launched a website and then moments.com you can find out a little bit there in the coming months i'll be releasing some more content like i said I've been intentional on not speaking for a decade. Mm -hmm. And so trying to compile these notes that I've taken in uh, different uh, Google Docs and all of those things, I'm compiling that. Um, and, and we've done some trainings and, and talk with business on, on how to create and then moments for employees and, and for a city. Um, so I have content around that. But and then moments.com mm -hmm. uh, is probably the best place to start. 
Yeah, yep, yep. I, I want, if you will do me a favor, is you'll be listening for the and then moments in our guest, listening for uh, the opportunity to share uh, where these these low stakes practice reps are, are landing and what impact it, it it makes on an individual's life and 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 if it if it impacts an individual's life it impacts an individual's family if it impacts a family it impacts a neighborhood if it impacts a neighborhood it impacts a community if it impacts the community it impacts a city city and state state and walk it all the way. Well, up. well, come on, come on, come on. We're gonna be singing the "We Are the World" in a minute. Yeah, yeah we're gonna be, you're, we're you're gonna a be motivational <laughs> speaker. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna do that. So that's it for today, folks. And uh, thank you so much, Tito, yeah. so much for being here. So fun. We'll do this again together as co-hosts, and we're gonna be interviewing a, both of our friend of ours, Derek Sire. Love the dude. As always, seeking common ground for common good. I'm Waylon Cubit, and I'm Taylor Doe. And this is the United Voice Oklahoma podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the United Voice Oklahoma podcast. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. Please share the show with your friends and family. It really helps us to get the conversation out to more people. This podcast is a production of United Voice Oklahoma one of the initiatives of the Stronger Together movement and is produced by OKC Good. This current season is made possible by the generous support of the Oklahoma City Black Justice Fund.